What's up, everybody? It's Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. The Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison. On this uh, kind of weird evening, I'm uh, pleased to be joined, as always, by uh, the bespectacled at Marcus underscore Mosher, who uh, is not in a very good mood tonight, everyone. I'm just going to let you all know right now. Well, just, that's, that's just because of basketball, but that's uh, that's the only reason I'm not in a good mood. But otherwise, I'm doing well. So Marcus and I are recording this during the Warriors-Mavericks game. I got a little frustrated with the game. I bailed. Uh, Marcus seems like he checked out a long time ago mentally, <laughs> period. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, we're you Marcus is me. rooting Sorry. for the Warriors out of disdain for the Warriors. I'm rooting for the Ma- or rooting against the Warriors. Right. I'm rooting against the Warriors because I like the Mavericks. So we're kind of in lockstep we have a, here. A common enemy, right? Yes. Um, so that's what's going on in the sports world as we record this. Uh, I am kind of on vacation, so we're recording a podcast this week. I don't think we're gonna have a second one unless we figure it out, but uh we actually talked about a weird topic today. Uh, oh, and also we should mention this is not a video podcast. If you're listening to us, we don't have this on YouTube. Um, but so no brinks this week. But uh, I kind of had a conversation with Marcus earlier on the phone because I was at the gym earlier and I happened to notice the New Jersey Generals playing the Houston Gamblers. And it really got me thinking about the USFL and kind of the the premise of the idea or conceptually speaking that the NFL could have a minor league system. And I wanted to talk to Marcus about it and we decided to just kind of do a podcast about this. And so I'm just kind of right off the cuff. Have you watched any USFL football? Do you find it intriguing? Is it a little bit blah for you? Where are you on it? So I did watch a game on Sunday afternoon, um, and I watched it almost all the way through. And it was fine. Like, I think the quality of the game was fine. And you recognize some guys, if you if you played fantasy football at all, or if you have a favorite team that you're, like, really a diehard fan of, you'll recognize some of the names. But there's just an overall lack of excitement in the game. And I wonder if it's because all of the games are being played in the same stadium and you don't t- really have quote unquote fans, right? There's some people that show up to the games, but if you are a Pittsburgh fan, I don't know if you're traveling to Birmingham to go to a game, right? I, I, I don't know. And I think that's the only thing for me that's maybe taking away some of the excitement. Yeah. Well, for the record, the, the original Pittsburgh Maulers, that's the Pittsburgh team didn't do very well. Um, and there's definite NFL overtones here. The Pittsburgh Maulers were owned by Edward DeBartolo senior, uh, editor, Eddie DeBartolo jr. Uh, obviously famously ran the 49ers for years. Um, the Pittsburgh Maulers were a little bit closer to home. The DeBartolo families from Youngstown, Ohio, Pittsburgh is, I don't know how far from Youngstown, Ohio. You would probably know that Marcus, but a few hours. Yeah. Um, and the, the original Pittsburgh Maulers, did have some excitement. They didn't get great support. Uh, in 1983, when the USFL originally started, the Steelers were still really good. But a couple things about those Maulers teams. You know, 
the USFL didn't have the excitement, but they had exciting players because one of their rookies was Mike Rozier, who'd won the Heisman Trophy, I think, at Nebraska. And the original USFL got a lot of major stars. Mm-hmm. Also, the Pittsburgh Maulers' original starting quarterback was a guy named Glenn Carano. He was Danny White's backup in Dallas. And his daughter, Gina Carano, was a fighter. She was in the one of the Star Wars series. I'm trying to think the Mandalorian, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, she was on the cover of the ESPN, like the body issue. Do you remember this at all? Maybe I do. not. Yep. But anyway, that was Glenn Carano's daughter, and he was the first quarterback of the Pittsburgh Maulers. Uh, the USFL, uh, by the way, the Maulers stink. <laughs> they're they're dude, not very good. No, they're one in five. And they've been outscored 138 to 76. Um, your first place teams are the New Jersey Generals, who are 5-1. and one. That's the team that Donald Trump owned part of their existence. Herschel Walker played for them. Maurice Carthon played for them. Maurice Carthon's ran, son, Rand Carthon, is the director of player personnel for... Um, oh, doggone it. Is it the 49ers? Ah! Maybe. You know this. Yeah. I gotta look that up. Um, the Birmingham Stallions are six and zero. Oh. Have you been keeping up with your, your USFL uh, standings? I have because I bet on Tampa Bay uh, to win the championship before week one. So I've been kind of following Tampa Bay a little bit, but yeah, um, Jersey Generals pretty good. They had some good good games this weekend. Some very close games. Well, so the Gamblers, bro, are one and five. But they've only been outscored by 10 points. That's yeah. unusual. They've played um, some real close games. Yeah, they have sweet unis. Uh, Tampa Bay Bandits, who you just mentioned, they're 3-3. Three and three. Uh, The Bandits, um, they were a really exciting USFL team. Uh, them and the Gamblers were. The Gamblers were exciting because they had Jim Kelly, and they ran an early version of the run and shoot. Uh, mm-hmm. With going four wide back in 1984, Jim Kelly throwing for 5,000 yards in one season in 1984, um, and then the Bandits because they had all the they had all these promotional giveaways, so it was not unusual for the Bandits to draw 35,000 fans to a game, bro. That's pretty that's oh, pretty yeah. good attendance for a rival league. Now this iteration of the USFL is much different. How do you see this playing out? Because I know you mentioned to me on the phone that the XFL is coming. Do you look at either one of these teams? I've got like a multi-pronged question for you. Number one, are you more excited about the XFL? Do you look at either one of these leagues as viable in its own right? Or do you see either one of these teams as kind of a farm system for the NFL? There, I just laid a ton in your lap. Uh, I'll return it back and give you a question. It feels unlikely, right, that both of these leagues are going to be able to thrive and be successful, correct? Like there's just not enough space for two separate semi-professional sports leagues. Uh, I I would agree. Um, It's a totally different setup now, too, because you talked about, you know, not playing any home games in the USFL. Mm-hmm. The original USFL, Marcus, was set up totally different. It was a spring league like this, but there were 18 teams. There's only eight, which is probably a good thing for yeah. this current yeah. iteration. But the biggest difference is in 1983, the USFL teams went after college players that and then offered them big-time money. So right. 
you know, we, we've heard so many times about the quarterback class of 1983, right? Dan Marino, Ken O'Brien, John Elway, Todd Blackledge. Um, but uh, Jim Kelly didn't play for, and John Elway, of course, Jim Kelly didn't go play for Buffalo. He opted to play with the Gamblers. Herschel Walker, who was the best player in college football, opted to play with the New Jersey Generals. Steve Young, who was incredible at BYU, opted to play for the LA Express. I could go on and on. Yeah. There aren't any major guys in the, in this iteration of the USFL. So, well, and that was my question I was going to give you is, is how, what's, if you are the XFL or the USFL, there's a fine line between trying to make this like a show or entertainment value or just trying to get the best possible football, right? Because mm-hmm. I saw today that Michael Vick signed with the fan controlled football league which is the same league that Johnny Manziel plays in. It's the same league that T.O. played in a couple weeks ago. The XFL could probably do stuff like that, right? Like they could try to sign Michael Vick and T.O. to just get people, casual people, recognizing names. But if you want the best football, it's probably not by doing that, right? It's probably signing the college guys or guys off practice, current guys off practice squads, correct? Yeah, well... I just thought of something to, to your point. Uh, so offline, Marcus and I were talking about Jarvis Landry and Jadavian Clowney and Marcus's real, real hot dogs and apple pie gung ho about Jarvis Landry. Um, I'm being facetious. Would you like it if a guy kind of like a Jarvis Landry or Jadavian Clowney, who's trying to make the most of their career later in their career, went and played for one of these teams to show that they could still do it and then kind of opt back in the NFL? Or do you think that's completely not, not going to happen at all? Maybe those guys are poor examples. Yeah. I I just don't know if any of these leagues have the budget to do that. Right. Um, So we should mention this. I, I, I went and looked up how USFL players are paid. Did you know they just have a base salary for every single player? No one player is paid more than the other. And it's a $4,500 game check every week. That's all what the USFL players make. That's interesting. You know, in 1999, um, I met the guy that I think he coached the defensive backs for the LA Avengers arena team and offered me a tryout. And I think at the time, um, the salary was 35000 quote me on that i'm going off of memory this was either 99 or 2000 and i just thought to myself gosh even in the year 2000 is $35,000 a year enough money to risk getting hurt even if i if even if i made the team right like is that enough to you know to make it worthwhile and i didn't have any um you know i don't consider myself some great athlete or anything I just didn't see the benefit of doing that. If you're a player, though, that really wants to keep that dream alive, I don't think $4,500 a game is all that bad. Yeah, it's but that's probably the reason why they're not going to get big-time players, right? Because if you are a practice squad player, how much money does a practice squad player in the NFL make? It's similar, right? Yeah, and the... You know, 
it's such an interesting thing because that, that kind of leads me into the next thing that I wanted to ask your opinion on. You know, if you're a GM and you have a guy that's on your practice squad, but you just can't get him the reps in practice, would you like to see him play for one of these teams? Now, in order to do that, you got to lose him because there's no affiliation. This isn't like it's, you know, the Seattle Mariners AAA club. I don't know mm-hmm. what their AAA club is anymore. It used to be Tacoma, I think, but back in the day. But anyway, I don't I don't remember. Um, you know, I grew up a Rangers fan. Everyone, I have to apologize in advance. So our minor league teams were the Oklahoma City 89ers in the AAA. We had the Tulsa Drillers in the uh, AA. And I think, I can't remember what was our, our single A was like Port Charlotte or something. There, You don't have any affiliation like that. So if you wanted to see a guy play Marcus, you have to lose him to see him play. And theoretically, if he plays well, somebody else is going to go sign him. One of I I was trying to think of a good example of someone who was talented. That was on the Cowboys practice squad. For example, since you covered the Cowboys, Danny Amendola, 2008, I think was on the Cowboys practice squad. And I want to say Philadelphia went and signed him and put him on their active roster. Do you remember yeah. that or yeah, something like that? I know I just looked this up. A practice squad player in the NFL makes fourteen thousand dollars every single week, and there's obviously there's eighteen weeks, right? Um, that's what the USFL is going to have a hard time competing against, right? Because it's just so much more advantageous for a guy that's even let's say player seventy five on a roster, right? Mm-hmm. I'd rather just stick on a practice squad, collect the eighteen thousand dollars a week. And maybe hopefully eventually get onto the roster rather than going to a separate league and playing where they play eight games. It's just that the USFL is going to have to change something about the way that they're paying players or trying to get players in order to, to get some bigger names and some better talent. Mm, Yeah. So I, I, by the way, I totally agree with you. Just looking up Danny Amendola, just to kind of stick with the name that everybody knows. Um, I assume everybody knows Danny Amendola, yeah. uh, especially been playing fantasy PPR the last 10 years. Yep. But um, he did make the Cowboys practice squad. And then uh, he was signed by the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in early 2009. Um, but he was waived. Yeah, he was waived by the Eagles before he ever played. So his actual first action was with the Rams. Okay. I wanted to check that out because that was a guy I could think of that another guy just stick with the same position and stick with the same organization. The Cowboys had Jimmy Smith on their roster. He had an appendectomy in 92, I think that, but Jimmy Smith was on the Cowboys and he just couldn't get on the field. They, they had Alvin Harper and they had Michael Irvin. They had a good third receiver in Kelvin Martin, and they were not a team that needed a bunch of wide receivers because they ran the ball so much. Um, I just wonder what would it take? Would it take a kid whose family already has money and just really wants to play and thinks they're never going to get that opportunity. So they need to go to one of these leagues and show that, you know, Hey, I can be productive. It probably needs to be a, a quarterback, right? Like a big time quarterback prospect from college, um, that for whatever reason, maybe they didn't get to play a ton in college because they were injured or whatever, but they're super small school. 
your super small school, like that's the kind of stuff where a guy just needs two years to play because he only played, let's say, nine college games or something like that. I think those are the type of players that could benefit the most from a spring football league. But I mean, the truth is, Elliot, the league that survives is going to be the league that partners with the NFL, right? That somehow figures out a deal with the NFL, whether that's being a farm system, whether that's allowing practice squad players to go and play a couple games a season like they did with NFL Europe. That's probably the only way that these leagues last multiple years. So what do you think the point of the USFL is? It's to make money, right? That's that's the biggest thing is to make money. They, They already have so much money invested in this. I think there is an appeal for spring football, I think there's an, there's people out there that would love it to, to watch. I actually talked to somebody today who turned on a, a game on Saturday and really enjoyed it. Um, they compared it to like a a good college game with no fans. Um, but to get it where it's a national thing and people are really excited about, I don't, I don't know what the steps would be to get it there. Well, um a couple things, by the way, if you guys are listening at home by chance and you're not like in your car and you're just hanging out, there is an article on Athlon Sports, which Athlon Sports, I used to love getting their preview magazines, Marcus. They always had the, the high-end glossy ones mm-hmm. back in the day. I know you were probably a Street and Smith guy, right? No, I was Lindy's. You, you're Lindy's, Lindy's, pro, right, I forgot. Lindy's and uh, Pro Football Weekly. Ah, well, Pro Football Weekly. I used to get that newspaper. Yeah. Um that was dope. But Athlon Sports has a kind of what you need to know about the USFL article if you want to check that out. Also, um, it's a great book. We've mentioned it on this podcast before. It's been a while since we have, but it's called Football for a Buck. It was written by Jeff Perlman, and that's about the original USFL. That's where all these teams come from, and that's where the looks come from. I mean, it's the same. And I got to tell you, that's the part I loved. Um, if you're an older fan who, you know, watch the USFL. It's pretty dope mm-hmm. to see the gamblers and the generals out there because if there's one thing the USFL got right, most of the uniform looks were pretty good for a, you know, a league that ultimately didn't work. But one of the things that didn't work about the USFL is they started with too many teams and they played too many games. And I think they started with 19 teams and they played an 18-game schedule. That's not what they're doing here. I think it was smart. Marcus to have a really small package kind of league here with only so many teams. Um, I, I think it does make them more viable. I agree. Right. I think having eight, eight games a season, eight teams, I, I think it's perfect. It's just, how do you get, how do you get the casual NFL fan or casual college football fan to turn into these games? And I, I really feel like it's, got to bring in some star power, right? You've got to bring in names that you recognize. I mean, there's coaches all over the place that we recognize, right? Jeff, Jeff Fisher. Fisher. Yeah, Todd Haley. I just don't know how many people are turn, turning in to watch or tuning in to watch Jeff Fisher and Todd Haley coach. It's, it's about the players, right? Quit hating. Listen, <laughs> I'm a I'm a Todd Haley fan. I've, I've met him before. We're, we're acquaintances, so... By the way, everyone, I don't know if y'all saw that movie. Uh, was it called Ted? The one with Mark Wahlberg and the yeah, bear? Yeah. And remember the one guy he worked with, his big claim to fame was that he knew Tom Skerritt? Yes. Yep. That's Marcus's is Todd Haley. 
Uh, so at the end of a movie about Marcus's life, at like Marcus's, I don't know, maybe he and his wife are going to renew their vows after 50 years. Todd Haley's going to be there. I mean, you know my relationship with Todd Haley. I can't really explain many of the stories here on this, oh, on this show. I didn't know where you were going with that. I thought you were you know my relationship <laughs> well, with my I'm wife. Well, I'm just saying, there's, no there's some things I can it. and can't say about Todd Haley. Most of yeah. them I can't say. So, But yeah, I, they've got to they've figure out ways to get some bigger name players there. I, you just have to. Well, I, I know we're not on camera here, so people aren't going to be able to see this, but I'm at least going to show you. Uh, this is my... 1985 USFL Tops football card mm. set box. I uh, kept the box. It's a complete set of 132 cards. It's a little dusty on top here. Sorry. I'm going to wipe that off. Got a lot of dust in this room. But um, pretty cool that you bought the set. It came in this little box. People that are, collect baseball cards uh, or have, they used to make update sets. Mm -hmm. And they would come in these little boxes. This is the exact same kind of box. Those update sets came in that my USFL set came in. And uh, they made one in 84 and they made one in 85. And the 84 one's got a lot of value. I saw where a Reggie White rookie went for like $23,000 because it was a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Even yeah. though the set itself only goes for like $500. It's because it's got to be Reggie White is really card. hard to find yeah. centered. Yep. Yeah. And perfect. So there you I'm go. Very jealous. You should get. You're very jealous. You I don't think get him graded. You're jealous of what? Your set of cards. Those are very cool. Oh, dude, you've got. So Marcus is a little bit of a card nerd. When he needs to be in a good mood, he likes to go open some cards. Didn't you open up a box of like? Was it 83 tops football you told me? Yeah, we, this is a, a couple of months ago. I, I bought a, a, a pack of the 83 tops football with the gum inside of it and tried the gum. Of course, it was absolutely awful. Um, got some good cards out. It was a lot of fun. I would love to know from any of our listeners, if any of our listeners are familiar with the USFL football cards. One thing I don't know is if these ever came in wax packs. Because all I ever saw were the, 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 you could buy the individuals where like a card mm -hmm. store would, you know, open this up and, or you could buy the set. I never saw USFL card packs. Um, but man, there's some great rookie cards. And if you're not familiar with the USFL out there, there were a lot of big time NFL stars that started there. Uh, if you're, uh, we talk about the Cowboys a lot because we know a lot of our listeners are Cowboys fans. Nate Newton. Started in the USFL. Herschel Walker started in the USFL. Anthony Carter, great Vikings receiver, started in the USFL. Bobby Hebert, a famous Saints quarterback, started in the USFL. Reggie White, Hall of Fame, USFL. Jim Kelly, Hall of Fame, USFL. Doug Flutie, Canadian football star, uh, took the Bills to the playoffs in 98. Um, Longtime NFL player. Last guy to drop kick, I think, in the NFL. Um, mm -hmm. Started in the USFL. Steve Young, Hall of Fame, started in the USFL. Sam Mills who almost made the Hall of Fame. Did did Sam Mills make it this year? I, I think maybe he's just a finalist. Now I now I can't remember. But anyway, that's just a, a, a short list right there. So it's very cool. I'm just I'm very jealous. That's all. I was trying to think about what cards I had in my 1983 top set uh that I could probably <laughs> about. But nothing nothing that was worth a lot of money. So the big rookie in the 83 tops football set was Marcus Allen. That was the big rookie. Um you know, and as I've we've said on this podcast, and I feel like you should brag about this more. Your your dad named you after Marcus Allen. 
Yeah, I just revealed that on Twitter the other day that I was named after a running back. And I, I understand the irony, considering how much I hate running backs, that I was named after a pretty good running back, at least. One of the better short yardage uh, running backs of all time. Oh, absolutely. We talked about that on our last pod. So Sam Mills uh, did make the Hall of Fame this year. I just could not remember. I didn't vote this year. And I couldn't Over to remember. Marcus Ware, he... That's right. Yeah. What's that? I said over to Marcus Ware. That's right. I, I do. Oh. Um. <laughs> Yeah, boy, you're still <laughs> still bitter about that. Uh, going back to our discussion here, though, just about the USFL and, and kind of like, so I'm working out and I'm watching this, watching the game. And, you know, it's a good looking product. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. it looks good. It's very presentable. It's, um, you know, everything is done well, graphics. And it's it's a professional league and a professional production and, and broadcast is great right yeah the broadcast and and the unis i'm telling you that i think the unis are really underrated in the usfl and especially the two teams that were playing today um but i really wonder will any kind of minor league ever work marcus because you know we had nfl europe and some players besides kurt warner played in NFL Europe and made mm -hmm. the NFL. We've talked about Mike Furry on our podcast before he played in uh, the arena league. And some people consider the arena league um, kind of a minor league. Is it just too hard to do for every, you know, to have um, could, could it maybe be done where you've got an eight team league and of the 32 teams, maybe each division shares a team. That, that's the way it probably has to be done, right? Because then what you'll see is seventh, you know, six, seventh round picks, guys that are in your practice squad. If you got to see them play eight games during the spring, you're going to get Cowboy fans and Giants fans and Eagles fans and Commanders fans all wanting to check up on these these rookies, right? And they Or young players and see how they're performing. I just think without a built-in base audience, it's it's really hard for these leagues to survive, even as well as they are put together. Like again, the broadcast is really good. The shots, they have some really cool camera angles, but you need to find a way to build the audience. And I think the way that you're suggesting by doing it by divisions is probably the smartest way to do it. I was wondering if it would be cooler to, you know, so if you're an Eagles fan, if it'd be cooler to share a minor league team with, um, you know, Cleveland and or Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh. But I mean, like more yeah. random, but I think what's cool about doing it in the division is one of the NFL's kind of calling cards over the years is um, making sure that there's parity. That's why the draft is done in inverse order of the standings. Mm -hmm. That's why you play a first place schedule. If you finish first place, um, it's to basically, the NFL figured out in the early 1960s when they were doing the television contracts, Pete Rozelle famously said, hey, we are only as strong as our weakest link. If no one's watching the Green Bay Packers play because Green Bay is a small town in Wisconsin and they become a weak team every single year because they don't make television money, we're up the creek. Right. Um, and so the NFL has always done a great job of making sure that their weakest links have a great opportunity to get stronger. Uh, mm -hmm. by schedule, by draft. If you have a system where, say, the the NFC West, um, the Rams finish first and the Seahawks finish last, that gives the Seahawks first dibs on anyone on their kind of minor league team. That's another way to kind of help parity. 
right? Right. I agree. I, I know I'm really probably thinking this through too much, but I think something like that could work. Yeah, I I think I think that's a good way to make it work as well. Uh do you, I'm gonna go back to the players thing though. Okay. What would be the best way for them to acquire talent? Would it be to just have one guy on every team that's well known? Is it to say, hey, any any day three picks are eligible to play in the spring league, right? If you get, if you draft a guy in April, he is immediately, you know, in the fifth round, he's immediately eligible to come play a couple games. Or do you go after star powers? Do you try to convince a Johnny Manziel to come join your league? Well, I love I love your idea of of day three or back half of day three. Fine. If you're picked after the fifth round, you know, but the thing is, is it has to make it so that NFL teams will not lose their rights to said player. Right. Correct. By doing that. That's, that's the rub. And look, there are some teams in the league right now that they need one of their sixth or seventh round picks, you know, to, to play special teams, you know, right now. Um, I just, I just think that there is an opportunity for this to be a really good developmental league. I, I'm going to take a couple quarterbacks that were drafted over the last couple of years. Jacob Eason, who the Colts drafted, I believe. Yep. Or uh, not there yeah. anymore, but he's with Seattle, I believe now. Yeah. Uh, and then Kellen Mond, who the Vikings drafted Minnesota. in the third round last year. Mm-hmm. Those guys just aren't going to get enough game reps, right? They, there's mm-hmm. only so many practice reps you can get now with the new CBA. They've cut the preseason games down by one right now. And unless your starter gets hurt, you just don't get that many, you know, snaps against live action. So guys like that would probably, I mean, they would crush it in a a lead like that, but they could really improve quickly if you gave them an extra 400, 500 live snaps every year. What the original USFL was able to do for players uh, was – Obviously, do what you're talking about, right? Give guys that weren't quite good enough for the NFL an opportunity. And then if they, you know, kicked butt in the USFL, the NFL would bring them back in. But veteran players. So uh, there was a guy that played for the Bears uh, for, his name was Vince Evans. He played for the Bears for six years. They drafted Jim McMahon. Vince Evans went and signed with the Denver Gold. And uh, the Denver Gold, I don't believe, is part of the USFL this year. I don't mm-hmm. think they're one of the teams, but they're one of the original USFL teams. Vince Evans played well in the USFL, pretty well. When the NFL had his player strike, he went and played, excuse me, for the Raiders, what was this called, their scab team. And then the, he played so well, the Raiders retained him as a backup quarterback. The guy played nine years for the Raiders after that. He played until he was 41 years old. That's just one example. Doug Williams. Played in the USFL after playing for the Bucks, Washington signed him, and then he ends up becoming the first black quarterback to ever win the Super Bowl. There were a lot of veteran players that kind of got a second chance in the USFL to show what they could do. Um, just kind of going to the point of what you're talking about, I wonder if it would be more than just an opportunity for developmental players, but mm-hmm. maybe that 25-year-old player that's been in the NFL for three or four years – and hasn't gotten a chance to show what they could do. And, you know. My, my, my fear is that the ratings for these games aren't going to be good enough to keep them going year after year, right? And To I be able think, to, to sustain that. Yeah. But I do think there's ways if they could 
<laughs> again, partner with the NFL to get it out of you. So let me give you an example of something that I think would be fantastic, right? Okay. What if you could move guys up and down from the USFL or XFL to the NFL without losing the rights or anything like that? Um, Jordan Love, right, who has played almost none since being drafted in 2020, right? We're going into year yeah. three and we've seen him play one game. What if all of a sudden the Packers said, hey, Jordan, you're going to go play in the USL for four weeks. How many Packer fans are going to suddenly watch that game, right? He's playing for the New Jersey Generals. How many Packer fans are going to want to tune in to see what does Jordan look? Jordan Love look like? Yeah, does he look much better? Are his mechanics better? That's the kind of stuff that I would like to see one of these spring leagues do because that's how you quickly build an audience. We see the numbers that preseason game get, like the Hall of Fame game, which this is an atrocious game, will get better ratings than the NBA Finals, right? So mm-hmm. clearly there's people that are watching these games. If you just give them something to be excited about, I think the the, the ratings would be fantastic. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, concept, I think. Um, I hadn't thought of it quite in those specific terms, but I think it really makes sense when the Packers obviously were able to get Aaron Rodgers back um, to say, hey, so we thought there might be a chance, Jordan, that you would play, and that's not going to happen right now, but we want you, we don't want you rotten on the bench either, you know? Well, um, and we we see this in other leagues, right? The NBA has the, the G League, right, where players sign two-way contracts and they can play on both the G league team and the NBA team. And don't you think this would be great for the NFL? Because one of the reasons why sometimes ratings are down is because the quarterback play isn't very good. But if you had another league set up that would allow these guys to actually develop, maybe we would see better quarterback play, you know, deeper on rosters. And maybe there wouldn't only be 10 good quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> if you actually allowed these guys to, to play. Wow. You know, I think one of the stipulations that would have to be made, there'd have to be some kind of uh, asterisk or whatever you want to call or accommodation for player safety, because you don't want to run into a guy playing a full eight game. Aren't they playing eight games in the USFL? Yeah, so maybe you say four games, right? You, you can only play four games in the spring league. Right. And then whatever number of games they play over the four games, they have to be inactive on your NFL roster that, you know, sure. for that many games. So if they play the four, eight games, you're only, you've got to be deactivated for four games of the NFL schedule. That could be a way to do it. Um, there were guys. So the USFL, the original USFL played in 83, 84 and 85, 18 games each year in the spring. In 1985, a lot of the USFL stars saw the writing on the wall and knew that the USFL was going to was going to bust. But then it was a matter of could a guy play an 18 game USFL season and then jump right into an NFL season. You realize how many games you're talking about 34 games in yeah. one season. Um so like Herschel Walker who at the time was the biggest named USFL refugee he played 83, 83, 84, 85, but he didn't start with the Cowboys until 1986. So he had a long break there between games. But I, I do think player safety would come in, be a factor here. 
Um, I love the Jordan Love example because that probably is the the prime example of of being able to have enough star power to get people to watch. And Packers fans are so dedicated. It, I uh, mean, as a Cowboy fan, right? I'd be interested to go watch Jordan Love to see, hey, did the Packers make the right choice here? Is this the next Aaron Rodgers or is this the next Brian Brom or the next Brent Hundley? Like, I'd, I'd want to see it. I would tune in to watch it. I was even thinking, this is so random here, but what about somebody like Roberto Aguayo, who was a second-round pick for Tampa Bay had re- as a kicker? And a lot of you out there may have remembered the struggles he had. He, he missed some games. I think they were on Monday Night Football, and it just became so underlined how much he was struggling. What if you can send a guy like that to a league like this to get his confidence back? Because it's hard to get your confidence back on a practice field doing sims, you know, simulations. Yeah, yeah. you need you, to be in live know, action, right? You need live action with real pressure on the kick. And, you know, a lot of those guys, obviously, the, the vast majority of the players that are playing with you on these USFL teams, they want to win because they don't have a right. chance of making the NFL. This right. is their professional league and they want to win the championship and so it means a lot to your teammates i mean then that was the case with the original usfl they played a championship game every year and i can guarantee you those teams had pride uh, the vast majority of them did and those guys wanted to win and the vast majority of those usfl players never made it in the nfl i'll be really curious to see what the usfl does after this season right like i'm sure they're going to go back to the drawing board this summer and try to figure out okay this is what our ratings were this is our this is our peak ratings. What do we do to draw in more fans? Do we need to come to the NFL and try to cut a deal? Do we need to go out and get you know a bigger name? Like I was thinking today, why not go out and get like somebody like Des Bryant, who's thirty one years old, still working out. I don't think he's past the point so much that he's, you know, it would be laughable out there. But that's somebody who I would tune in to watch, right? I, I Des is one of my favorite players ever, so. I, I'm just really curious to see what the strategy is of the USFL after this year. And then next year with the XFL, like what did the XFL take away from the USFL that they can improve on? What is their talent pool going to look like? Because all of these guys that are between the ages of like 22 and 27 are already signed in the USFL. Do they have to do something different? We'll see. What is your general thought on spring football? Do you like it? Or are you like, eh, I like football where it is. I don't need it in the spring. Um, I think it's for me, it's very good as a casual watch. Like I'm not throwing big parties because of the, the breakers are on. Right. I'm it, it's on when I'm sitting around the house and just kind of, I'm all tune in for a quarter, quarter and a half. But if the, again, I, I, I just keep coming back to this point. I think star power drives these leagues. If there was somebody that I got really excited about or somebody that I was invested in because they're on my favorite team, I think I'd be more apt to watch these games. Maybe they could get like, you know, as color analysts for some of these games, they could get, I don't know, like somebody who'd been on NFL network or something, you know, just to have as a, as a analyst. Uh, I can't think of any names that come up. I can't either. I can't think of any where they're good enough anyway. Uh, yeah, I could I'm not poking fun at NFL Network. It's only poking fun at me before somebody gets on Twitter and whatever, whatever people do on Twitter anymore. Get Paul Burmeister to do some of these games. I don't know who is uh, who was doing the game that you watched. Do you remember? 
I had the sound off, so I don't know. <laughs> way to go. Way to, way to add to the conversation. You know? Uh, am I am I overrating the uh, – I know you're not a huge uni talk guy, but am I overrating the uniforms, or do you agree that, no, actually, they're pretty stellar for being such a kind no, of a they're minor very good. I like, I like them a lot. They're very yeah. good. Do you have a favorite? Oh, I like the uh, the gamblers' uniforms the best. I do too. They're so yeah. dope. By the way, all of you out there, if you're like, I can't believe y'all have talked about the USFL this much, and you don't think you know what USFL teams look like, let me tell all of y'all that y'all have all seen USFL uniforms more times than you can count because you don't realize that every beer commercial you've watched for the last 30 years where the guys are in front of a TV monitor mm-hmm. and somebody's throwing a touchdown pass or whatever, those are all USFL games that have been upgraded. I don't know how they do that with old footage and yeah. like yep. up, up, upgraded to 4K or whatever. The U- There's one guy that requested and retained the rights to USFL video, and he's made a living off of selling that to companies like, you know, Michelob. <laughs> whatever Budweiser who wanted to show, I was watching a commercial just like two years ago and they showed the gamblers throwing a touchdown pass against whoever, because they don't want to pay the NFL or the NFL won't let them use footage. It's either too expensive or the NFL won't let them use it depending on the product. And so they've got to make it look like professional football. So they get old USFL games. So you've all seen USFL uniforms. Did you know that? I didn't know that actually it's very interesting but i would i don't know the one guy's name but uh he were he was a young guy he was like the video coordinator for the usfl so he did like a weekly i don't know this week in the usfl kind of you know video and he retained the rights to it all and for years he sold those rights to the various companies that needed football footage for whatever they needed it for so um I just always thought that was funny. So sometimes in the background, I would try to see if I could tell not only who the teams were, but who it was catching the touchdown pass because that is USFL card. There is a really fun uh, TikTok uh, video, a person that all they do is from random like TV stuff or like movies. They'll try to like find the exact game that's playing on in the background or whatever. It's just a fantastic uh, account. That's great. That's great. <laughs> I I see. I'm I'm in love with that already i'm in love with that um yeah it's something super nerdy that i that i would totally do but uh well either way i wanted to address this topic with you uh last thing real quick on usfl minor league football professional football do you think if neither one of these leagues work out marcus we know the xfl was what 2000 was that when they yeah around there yep and they had rod smart AKA he hate me. He hate me. Yeah. Uh, returning kicks. He played for Carolina. Carolina. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tommy Maddox, I think was a QB mm-hmm. in XFL yep. in 2000. He had been a uh, Broncos uh, prospect. Didn't really work out there. Uh, John Elway obviously was the starter. <clears throat> he ended up going to the Steelers in 2002 and taking them to the playoffs. Um, yep. Yep. But XFL back in 2000, uh, like I said, the USFL were in the eighties. And then of course you had arena league and, and, and NFL Europe. Do you, do you think if we have no spring football, if neither one of these leagues works out and we don't really have this 
much of a product. Is that not good? In other words, do you think this is better that we have this? Or because you were saying you don't see how both of them are going to be able to subsist. Yeah, there's just no that way sense. that there's just no way that there's going to be that big of an appetite for two different spring leagues, right? It's just it's not going to happen. One of these is going to eventually win out. My bet is the XFL because they just have way more funding behind it. Mm-hmm. They also have the Rock as their commissioner, which is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I I I think there's only space for one of these and we'll see which one is more creative, which one will eventually partner with the NFL. Frankly, which one gets bigger stars to to come play in these games. So somebody tweeted me the other day and said, you guys are really reaching for topics lately. Uh, Boy, that dude's going to be really unhappy when he hears this one. Sorry, man. Uh, I apologize, but I wanted to talk about this because I was watching the game and it's something I've thought about many, many times, and I'm not the first person to wonder about a good minor league system for the NFL. Believe me. Um, so I, I, uh, I just thought it was interesting. And I also told Marcus, I wanted to do a couple random pods, but the next random one we do, I want it to be on football cards. So if you guys have any hot football card takes like the best looking set of all time, like I am so game for that. How do you feel about Jersey cards? You know, the ones that have a little jersey patch in them. I I gotta tell you, bro, I don't I don't know why I keep calling you bro. I don't know what it is. I'm not wearing a Hurley shirt. It's all right. I didn't just watch Point Break. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they remade the movie Point Break. Uh it's a topic for another day. But you gotta be careful with that stuff because like I remember seeing one. It was a Don Meredith card that had a piece of his jersey. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something about that. For those of you out there that have these jersey cards or are going to pay good money for one on eBay, those cards are only worth what somebody will pay for them. So as long as you get somebody to buy it from you, hey, great. But in the 1960s, these guys did not have like 28 jerseys. Mm-hmm. They wore one jersey and they kept repairing it. In fact, one of Gail Sayers' uh, white Chicago Bears number 40 road jerseys was on uh, Antiques Roadshow. Now, if you want to ask me why I was watching Antiques Roadshow, it's a totally fair question. But that sucker went for 40000 or 35000 bucks. Um, it was all patched up, though, Marcus. They patched them up. Yeah. Yep. I was on e- I have always wanted. I'm so glad you asked me this because I've never told you this. For a long time, my kind of holy grail sports memorabilia was having a game-worn Don Meredith jersey from the 60s. I wanted a Cowboys jersey, number 17. I love that number. I loved Don Meredith. I wanted that. And I found one on eBay. Guy was asking, I think, 10 grand for it. I looked at that jersey, and I knew. I Looking at it, I was like, that's not a real jersey because it was mesh. Yep, And he was claiming it was like a 1965 jersey. They didn't wear mesh jerseys in 1965, you know, with the little holes to breathe in. And it was an old Cowboys jersey, number 17, but it was clearly made as a knockoff. I didn't doubt that the jersey was over 50 years old, but I think it was a knockoff back then that maybe they sold in a department store. Um, You got to be careful with those ones that are of the older players because they didn't have a bunch of jerseys. Yeah. Can I give you one hot memorabilia take before we head out? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. 
collecting jerseys is way more fun than collecting cards. And I know you're going to disagree with me because you are a big card guy. And so am I. I've got a, I've got a ton of cards. I think buying autographed jerseys is way more fun and way cooler because first of all, I mean, you can't, I mean, the listeners can't see, but behind me, I've got jerseys that are hung up on the wall. They look awesome. They could actually be like displayed in your house and it doesn't look tacky. Right. I, I just think these are way cooler. So I have two jerseys in my closet here uh, where I'm at right now. Um, I also have two autographed jerseys to my name. Actually, take that back. I only have one autographed jersey. You said autographed. Autographed, yep. I've only got one. I have a Ed Belfour Dallas Stars jersey. He was the goalie for the Stars when they won the Stanley Cup in 99. Mm-hmm. And I only have it because I dated a girl that dated Ed Belfour. It's a great story. There you go. And on that I gotta note, pull a, I, I got to pull a jersey out of my closet here on our topic of minor league football. I want to see if you know whose jersey this is. Hold on, home slice. All right, here we are. This is great podcast, dead air time. Sorry, everyone, but I'm holding up. Do you know what this is? Yeah, it's the uh, the Frankfurt Galaxy, right? That's because you saw the Galaxy on the back. No, I didn't see it. It's pretty sweet. Oh, that's a really You saw cool that. Movie. My brother gave me a living in Germany, got me a Frankfurt Galaxy jersey. These are actually pretty good looking. They'd be like if the Phoenix Suns uh, had a football jersey. Yeah. Anyway, pretty sweet. But I also have a Kurt Warner Seattle Seahawks jersey from when I was a kid. That's Kurt Warner with a C. He was a running back. But uh, nothing's as bad as one of the jerseys you have behind you. So we'll talk about that on another day. But uh, that's all I've got. I'm going to give you the last word, my friend. I do find these USFL games very entertaining because the games have been really close. Like we haven't had a ton of blowouts. Uh, they've come down to the last possession, but I think it goes to show you, you can have really close games. You can have good coaching. You can have well-played games, but unless you've got big name players or interesting storylines, these are just not all that entertaining. And that's what makes the NFL so fun, right? Is we have storylines going into the season that we kind of follow. You know the certain players. You know the faces. Um, it's something that the USFL is lacking. But we'll see if they can eventually get there. Well, I would encourage everyone, uh, if you haven't, just to just pop one on. You know, before the season's over, see what you think. We wanted to talk about something just to, or I wanted to talk about uh, something. I, I made Marcus do this. But I wanted to talk about something a little bit different uh, th- that is just I've been kind of thinking about. So I encourage everybody to take a look at it. it it's really not too bad and kind of support the sport, so to speak. But uh, with that said, he is the host of Locked On Cowboys, uh, another USFL team, the way they spent their offseason. Uh, <laughs> and he covers the Raiders, a real NFL team, um, who did their offseason right uh, for USA Today. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I am at Harrison NFL on Twitter. I'm sorry for the dead air as I looked for my Frankfurt Galaxy jersey. But guys, it's the off season. I'm trying to fill your weekends. Okay. Y'all take care.